Welcome to the Proper Villains Podcast, where every two weeks, this mother-daughter duo brings you mysteries, thrillers, and more. Welcome back to Proper Villains. I'm Caitlin Bagley, and I'm going solo this week. That's right, Robin, Mom, is on vacation this week, so you just get me. Now, when Robin did her own solo episode when I was on vacation last year, she did a Rebecca rabbit hole, which was awesome. I listened to it on my flight, actually. And I'm going to keep more of the normal proper villains format today. And it is gorgeous outside, guys. Today's like the first day in a week we haven't hit triple digits. And I'm loving it. I've only really come inside to record today because the motorcycles outside would not have, oh, episode would have been awful if I tried recording outside. So here we are. And today I want to start with um, The Yard by Alex Grecian. Now, I've had this book on my shelf for years, kind of like a callback to the Dante Club. And I finally read it funny enough, because I put a vote on my Instagram, not the Proper Villains Books Instagram, but my personal one, asking if I should read The Yard, which is serial killer fiction, or if I should read a book nonfiction about H.H. Holmes. And 100% unanimously, people voted The Yard. And once I read it, I had a really hard time putting it down. I saw someone on Goodreads say that this is a cozy murder mystery, You know from previous episodes, we don't really like that term, and this did not fit. That would be like calling the Dante Club cozy. This wasn't quite as gruesome, but it's up there. And when I say it's up there, our opening scene is a Scotland Yard inspector murdered and stuffed in a steamer trunk. That's not a spoiler, that is page one. So, yeah, not cozy at all. And we follow brand new Scotland Yard inspector, Inspector Day, on his first case, which is finding out who murdered his co-worker. This book is a lot of points of view, so if that's something you struggle with, be warned. But at the same time, the chapters are very short. I don't think really any chapters are longer than 10 pages, so it's pretty easy to jump back in points of view. You're primarily in Inspector Day's. But you're also in the killer's point of view, which is crazy. Because you're seeing his motivation, his justification for what he's doing. And also how twisted the rest of his life is, which is a trip. I wish there was more of that in other books. So you're following Inspector Day and the other Scotland Yard um, investigators and constables. You even do a little bit from Inspector Day's wife's point of view. You're seeing the scenario from all sides, which is really cool. Um, But there's not just one killer in London going around at this time. Or is there? Because one thing that they're very much struggling with in this book is, I mean, the Ripper just happened. He's been silent for about a year at this point. Evil can't be everybody, can it? There can't be more than one Jack. So watching them struggle with realizing that there is evil in the world and not just contained within one person is a very interesting take because now we know that there's evil everywhere and that anybody can be 
turned into a monster, truly. So I don't want to give much away, but The Yard by Alex Grecian was, I definitely should have read it sooner. Absolutely should have read it sooner. And I'm not entirely done with my next book. I've got a little over 100 pages left, and it's called Whisper Down the Lane by Clay McLeod Chapman. So to be perfectly honest, I would not have bought this book if I had seen it on the shelf. I bought this book um, doing Blind Date with a Book, where it was wrapped in paper. I got five bullet points about it, and I had no clue what book I was buying. So I do like that. I love that we can do that, because I truly would have never picked up this book otherwise. It's got kids sitting around a sidewalk chalk pentagram. (laughs) But the bullet points were multiple points of view. So far only two, though, so not as bad as the yard. Um, Based on past events, this takes place in the 1980s during the Satanic Panic. Um, So I kind of just went off of that, like, all right, this is what we're doing now. And this book, just from reading the back, you realize you have the point of view of a five-year-old named Sean, and then mid-30s Richard. And Sean and Richard are the same person. Again, you get that just from the back. But what's interesting about Sean and Richard is that when Sean was a little boy in the 80s, he was involved in the satanic panic. Um, For people, that goes back to when psychologists, I use air quotes, were using very unorthodox methods to interview children and causing false memories, having tricking children into lying and saying their school teachers and their babysitters, etc., were uh, conducting satanic rituals with the children during class or at daycare. And lots of people lost their jobs. People went to prison. People died over this. And Sean is in the middle of one of those situations. He and his class have been tricked, truly, by these professionals, again, air quotes, to say their kindergarten teacher is satanic and that he's conducted rituals with them and that he's molesting them. And reading the interviews, they do little, like, transcripts of Sean and the psychologist And it's all being fed to him. And in the chapters, he talks about, well, I knew what they wanted me to say, so I said it so that people would like me and be happy. And when he says something wrong, the professionals call him stupid and call him a liar. And when he says what they want, he's brave and he's saving his class. And it's just crazy. I'm in my late 20s, so of course I don't remember this, wasn't around for it. But when you watch documentaries about this and reading this book, it's just what were people doing to children? Like, who thought this was a good idea? Truly. I know McCarthyism was a big thing and that people were paranoid that the Russians were around and infiltrating their societies and it fed into this mass paranoia. But thinking your kindergarten teacher is molesting your child and conducting satanic rituals. This was a thing. This is a fiction book, but this happened, and it's horrifying. 
But then we jump into Richard's point of view. He's in his 30s. He's left that whole life behind him. To him, Sean is dead. He's married. He has a family. But someone has figured out who Richard was. Someone has figured out that Richard and Sean are the same person. And is mind mental warfare on Richard. He's conducting mental war, psychological warfare. This person, I actually don't even know who it is yet, um, is making it, making Richard aware that his secret is known by somebody. And Richard's trying to figure out who, while at the same time trying not to expose himself. And what happens is, I'm kind of just getting into this, it's like, History is repeating itself for Richard, and I think it's going to end up with a what side of history is Richard going to land on this time? And I really want to know who's doing this. I have my suspicions, which is the only reason I'm still reading this book. It's not my favorite, I'm not going to lie. Um, it definitely passed the 50-page test for me. I, ke- I kept reading, reading it, but I don't know if... If there wasn't that little cliffhanger, I don't think I would have kept going. Not my favorite book, you know, but not bad either. It's just not not my cup of tea. But that's the point of Blind Date with a Book, I guess. You get something that you wouldn't have read otherwise. So I am succeeding in that. Lastly, I wanted to bring up an audiobook. Um, I'm almost done with it. I started it yesterday, and it is Speak by Tunde ONA. I've been practicing saying her name a few times and I'm just terrified of getting it wrong because she is such a phenomenal human. I first heard of Tunde on the Hurdle podcast and she is a Peloton instructor. She is a Nike athlete and she is just a golden soul. What everybody wants in a friend, a loved one. She's everybody's best friend. I've heard her again, I think three times on Hurdle. I now I'm listening to her book and I hope that I would I have a friend like Tunde and I hope Tunde and I would be friends if I ever met her. And this is her memoir. Growing up as a first generation American, her parents are Nigerian immigrants. Growing up in Houston, Texas as a African child, um being the only black child in her class, having a very African cultured home moving to LA, moving to New York, and how she's gone through all these changes in her lives. And this book has made me laugh hysterically, and it's made me cry my eyes out. Um, she's just a perfect human. She just wants what's best for everybody. She has done public service. She is probably the best motivational speaker I've heard in a long time. And it's all just encompassed in her memoir. And the advice that I've gotten from her on grief in both the podcast and in this book, especially in the book where she dives a lot more into the pain she felt losing her parents and her brother are, I needed that. I really did. I needed a bit of a guide. But then at the same time, you're getting these amazing, I wouldn't say life advice, but 
amazing advice on when she recognized when she was unhappy in her work and the work she put into making a career change by going to Peloton and the vision, the premonition she had of how her life was going to change and the work she put in to make that come true because she knew it wouldn't come true without her work. So speak, whisper down the lane, and the yard are the three books I kind of jumped into today. A little bit of a shorter episode. I don't have someone to bounce ideas off of, which I miss, but mom will be back in two weeks. So thank you, villains. Um, Make sure you look at our Facebook and our Instagram, Proper Villains Books, and let us know what you've been reading. And let us know what you'd like us to read. We're definitely trying to figure out what the rest of season three is going to look like. And we would love your feedback. Bye, villains.